Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. This episode deals with graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. You cut off his arms, you cut off his legs, you cut off his head. How could you miss his dick? How could you miss his dick dick? Hamilton, Ontario, 1946. A headless human torso is discovered by a group of children. A dead baby is found in a suitcase. And a beautiful young woman is sent to prison for murder. But after serving only 11 years of a life sentence, she is released and given a new identity and a whole new life, courtesy of the National Parole Board. And then she simply disappears. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and in this podcast, I'm bringing Evelyn Dick back to life, the irresistible femme fatale who was the central figure in one of the most shocking murder cases in Canadian history. This is Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? Episode 8, Model Prisoner. Christmas at the Kingston Penitentiary for Women was a special time of year for its residents. It was the one occasion all year long when they could trade their drab blue and white prison uniforms for homemade costumes and makeup for the annual holiday pantomime. For the December 1948 Christmas program, the Toronto Telegram newspaper reported that the festive show was entitled A Christmas Story, and the role of the angelic white angel with wings was performed by a Mrs. Evelyn Dick. The news article went on to say that by all accounts, Hamilton's most famous murderess was adjusting well to prison life. Evelyn was transferred to the Kingston Penitentiary for Women on July 16, 1947, to begin her life sentence for the murder of her infant son. After 17 months in the decrepit Barton Street Jail, and after all of her appeals had been exhausted, the federal prison in Kingston, Ontario, would be her new home. The women's prison had opened 13 years earlier in 1934 
to house maximum security female inmates. Prior to its opening, women convicts had been housed across the street in the notorious Kingston Penitentiary. KP, as the locals called it, was Canada's toughest federal prison, and before long, someone else accused in the John Dick murder would end up there. After Evelyn had been convicted for the murder of her newborn son, the Crown Attorney's Office still had three more trials to attend to. Bill Bohozak and Donald McLean had both been waiting for their day in court and had already spent over a year in jail. First to stand trial was a well-dressed Bill Bohozak, who was defending himself against the charge of murdering Evelyn's baby. Once again, the Crown's witness list included many of the same people who had given evidence at Evelyn's trials. Evelyn's mother testified she had never met Bohozak, and her daughter had told her another man was the baby's father. Detective Preston then took the stand to testify that Evelyn told him Bill was the father of the infant and he had strangled the baby in the car the day she left the hospital. But when asked about her relationship with Bohozak, Evelyn admitted she had only been intimate with him on one occasion, which happened to be 13 months after the baby was born. Clearly, the dates didn't add up, but maybe the Crown's next witness could clarify. Mrs. Evelyn Dick was called to the stand, but, once again, refused to be sworn or to testify against her former lover. But, unlike Evelyn, Bill Bohozak was more than ready to talk and to take the stand in his own defense. Bohozak told the court that he first met Evelyn in the summer of 1944, before he was married. After his wife left him, he went out on a few dates with her in October of 1945. Evelyn told him she was a widow. They were intimate once, but after he discovered she was married, he stopped seeing her. His only other contact with her was when he borrowed $200 to get his car fixed. He repaid the loan and never saw her again, until he was arrested and thrown in the Barton Street Jail. Bohozak swore he was not the father of the infant boy, nor had he murdered him. And the jury believed him. It took them only 23 minutes to find Bohozak not guilty of murdering the baby. The handsome athlete was visibly relieved. But Bohozak still wasn't in the clear, and two days later he was in the same courtroom to answer to the charges of murdering John Dick. Once again, Special Prosecutor Timothy Rigney outlined the Crown's case against Bohozak and called his first witness, Mrs. Evelyn Dick. And yes, as she had done on every other occasion, Evelyn refused to take the Bible in her hand and to be sworn before the court. Rigney was beat. Without Evelyn's testimony, he could not proceed with the trial against Bohozak. There were no other witnesses or evidence that tied him to the crime. The judge turned to the jury and instructed them to acquit the defendant immediately. Bohozak was ecstatic. After more than a year in prison on two charges of murder, he was finally going home. Now the Crown only had one last opportunity 
to convict someone for the murder of John Dick. Donald McLean's trial began soon after Bohozak left the courtroom. Sitting alone in the prisoner's box, Evelyn's father listened as the Crown introduced evidence found at his Roslyn Avenue home, including John Dick's bloodied shoes, a hatchet, several guns, and a box with a bullet hole in it. While the evidence was incriminating, it still didn't prove that McLean had been directly involved in John Dick's murder. The following day, a deal was struck, and McLean pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of accessory after the fact. The judge sentenced him to five years in federal prison, which would run concurrently with a second five-year term he was given when he was found guilty of stealing from his employer. The 70-year-old Scotsman was sent to Kingston Penitentiary, Canada's toughest 10 acres, to serve out his time. But at least there, he would be closer to his daughter. Across the street from the Kingston Pen, Evelyn was adjusting to prison life, and according to reports from the day, she was a model prisoner. She was polite, followed all the rules, and learned how to get along with other prisoners and staff. She was a natural leader, and she was finally able to put her private school education to use by helping other inmates with their reading and writing skills. Hamilton playwright Brian Morton. She befriends all of the older, more experienced women on the range. She's seen as well-spoken. She ends up working in the prison office because she has business skills. She can take shorthand. She can type. She's a model prisoner. She doesn't reoffend, right? Eventually, Evelyn's good behavior and leadership skills caught the attention of a member of the National Parole Board, and he took a personal interest in her future. Alex Edmondson served on the National Parole Board from its founding in 1959 until his retirement in 1971. A lawyer and a strong supporter of penal reform, Edmondson worked with inmates at the Kingston Prison for Women and became particularly impressed with Evelyn Dick when he met her there. Edmondson felt the now 38-year-old inmate had been reformed and could go on to lead a productive life if she was released from prison. But given the notoriety of her case, Edmondson decided Evelyn was going to need special help from the National Parole Board if she was going to succeed. In short, Evelyn Dick had to disappear. And so, after serving 11 years of a life sentence for the murder of her infant son, Evelyn Dick was secretly taken from the Kingston Penitentiary in the dead of the night and transported to an undisclosed location. Given a new name, new home, and a new job, the woman formerly known as Evelyn Dick, Evelyn White, and Evelyn McLean was gone forever. After disappearing in 1958, Evelyn continued to be an ongoing source of gossip and speculation in and around Hamilton. There were numerous reported sightings, and everyone seemed to have a connection to the famous femme fatale. But no one actually knew where she was. And in her anonymity, Evelyn Dick became even more famous. Everyone wanted her story. 
when Brian Valee did his research for his book in 2001, he was able to speak to former members of the parole board, a number of which gave him information, but none of them would actually out her because all of those people knew where she was uh, or what had happened to her, and all of them kept her secret, which talks a lot about who she was in life, that there were people that were extremely loyal to her even when money was offered at them, because McLean's magazine had a standing offer of $20,000 at one point for anyone who could get them in touch with Evelyn Dick. And there were no takers, because anybody mm-hmm. that had that information basically protected her and felt mm-hmm. that she was worthy of protection. But while Evelyn was enjoying a new secret life, courtesy of the National Parole Board, none of the other characters in her story fared quite as well. Donald McLean, Evelyn's father, was released from Kingston Penitentiary in 1951 after serving four years of his two five-year sentences. The man had stolen thousands from his former employer, but he returned to Hamilton penniless and alone. He and his wife, Alexandra, never reconciled, and he never saw his daughter again. If he was involved in the murder and dismemberment of his son-in-law, John Dick, He took those secrets to his grave in 1955. But many still speculate about his guilt. My gut reaction was always that John Dick uh, was murdered by her father, Donald McLean. But I doubt Donald pulled the trigger. I think there's probably somebody that got paid to pull the trigger. And just simply because I don't think Donald McLean, as a 54-year-old guy and a drunk who didn't have a driver's license, could have been the one that kind of dumped his body out of the car onto the escarpment. So there's probably some other person who was paid. Bill Bohozik, Evelyn's former one-time lover, returned to his job at the Hamilton Steel Mill and resumed his rowing hobby. But life after associating with Mrs. Dick was never the same for the handsome athlete. Even though he was found innocent of all charges, rumors and hearsay continued about his involvement in the murder of John Dick and Evelyn's infant son. Bohozak never spoke to the press about his ordeal and ended up changing his name. He was persecuted all his life, said his wife, after his death in 1996. As for the women in Evelyn's life, they too were forever impacted. When the parole board gave Evelyn a complete new identity, it meant that she had to leave her entire past behind including her mother and her own daughter, Heather. After Evelyn went to prison, Mrs. McLean continued to care for her granddaughter. She was forced to move out of the Carrick Avenue home, but remained in Hamilton. Although she testified against Evelyn in all three of her trials, Alexandra McLean remained faithful to her only daughter for the rest of her life. Mrs. McLean died in 1964, And while some thought Evelyn might show up for her mother's funeral, she stayed away. Evelyn's daughter Heather, who went by the name Maria McLean to avoid any negative association with her famous mother, was never told anything about Evelyn's new identity or whereabouts while she was growing up. Hamilton historian Mark McNeil. I think the sense by most people was that uh, part of the effort to uh, keep her out of the public eye uh, involved cutting herself completely from her life before going to prison, and that uh, involved the daughter. Obviously, if she could 
murder a son, that she uh, being estranged from a daughter would be a small step. In 1965, Heather was finally reunited with Evelyn at a hotel in Ottawa with the assistance of Alec Edmondson from the Canadian Parole Board. 23-year-old Heather, who was now a mother herself, introduced Evelyn to her five-year-old granddaughter, Cindy. Hamilton playwright Brian Morton talks about that strained family meeting. He basically said, look, I'm proud of you. I think it's that you've done all these things, but I can't have any relationship with you because people are looking for me and anyone that wants to find me is watching you. And so if I start to have a relationship with you, it'll out me. And I can't allow my identity to be known. So that supposedly, according to Heather Maria, is the only time she ever had any contact with her mother ever again. Uh, and again, whether you think Evelyn is guilty or not guilty, uh, what happened to Heather, her daughter, uh, who's utterly innocent of all of this and essentially spent the rest of her life hiding and apologizing for the perception of her mother. Heather, who would be 78 today, has never spoken about her mother. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In his 2001 book called The Torso Murder, author Brian Valley speculated that Alex Edmondson had arranged for Evelyn to start a new life somewhere out west. According to others, Edmondson orchestrated everything for Evelyn, and keeping her new identity was so important to him, he didn't even tell his wife. Another parole board member, Mary Louise Lynch, also got to know Evelyn, and the two women became friends, trading Christmas and birthday cards for years. 
And yes, if you are thinking that it's odd for a convicted murderer to spend social time with a member of the National Parole Board, you would be right. When interviewed for Brian Valley's book, Mary Louise Lynch spoke fondly of Evelyn and recalled several lunches and dinners they had shared. And while Lynch was one of the very few people who knew Evelyn's new identity, she never gave up her secret. And Evelyn's secret identity was further protected when in 1985, at age 65, she was granted a federal pardon under the royal prerogative of mercy. The pardon meant she no longer had to report to the police or the parole board, and her file was forever sealed. In other words, Evelyn Dick, the number one suspect in her husband's gruesome murder and a convicted baby killer, was given complete clemency by the Canadian government, and today her criminal file no longer exists. How did this happen? Now, I don't want to bore you with government rules and guidelines, but if you were to Google the royal prerogative of mercy, you would see that this unique pardon originates with the Queen and gives her Canadian representative, the Governor-General, discretionary power to apply clemency under exceptional circumstances to truly deserving cases. The parole board can make recommendations for the pardon on the basis of a substantial injustice or undue suffering of a mental, physical, and or financial nature that must be out of proportion to the nature and the seriousness of the offense. And while Evelyn Dick spent over 13 years behind bars, I don't think her suffering was quite the same as what her two victims endured. So, here we are, 62 years after Evelyn Dick walked out of the Kingston Penitentiary for Women in the middle of the night and disappeared. No one has ever been able to find her. But it doesn't mean people have stopped trying. For years, the press continued to hunt for any small clue about the whereabouts of Evelyn Dick. McLean's magazine had a $20,000 bounty on her head, and the Hamilton Spectator newspaper still publishes stories on the famous torso murder every year. And talk to any Hamilton librarian, and they'll tell you that Evelyn Dick is one of the most requested research items in their system. Three books were written, theater productions played to sold-out audiences, a documentary and a TV movie were produced, but still no Evelyn. And the rumor mill just kept churning. Some claim she never left Hamilton and lived a solitary life, while others believe she moved on to the kind of lifestyle she had always desired. Brian Morton has his own theory when Evelyn gets out of prison, that one of these boyfriends, uh, one theory even says that one of these boyfriends is a, is a judge. That's one rumor that says that, and it's almost certainly that her boyfriend later in life, who later becomes her husband, who later may not have even known that this was Evelyn Dick, that mm-hmm. her new identity as whatever her name became 
and the fact that she was so cultured and so well-mannered, so well-spoken, and so well-behaved, and so pure and innocent-looking. So it's very possible that that family that she created after prison never knew that the person that he was married to her was this woman who was once known as Evelyn McLean or Evelyn Dick. If Evelyn didn't remarry, does this explain how she came to be pardoned by the federal government? She got royal prerogative of mercy directly from the cabinet of Brian Mulroney. Ex-cons don't get royal prerogative of mercies from the federal cabinet. It tells you who her husband was. It tells you who her family connections were that she was able to get almost automatically. I mean, again, all those files are sealed or were destroyed. But just the fact, ex-cons don't have that kind of power, don't have that kind of political influence. She did. That tells you a lot about who she became in later life. Almost 75 years after a headless human torso was found on Hamilton Mountain and a dead baby was discovered in an attic, the woman at the center of both crimes remains an enigma, and there are still so many questions left unanswered. First of all, who killed John Dick? No one was ever convicted of his murder. And while Donald McLean was convicted as an accessory after the fact and was likely responsible for dismembering Dick's body, we still don't know who pulled the trigger. And why did Evelyn kill her healthy newborn son? If she didn't want the baby, she could have given him up for adoption like she told her mother she had. And even stranger, why did she keep the baby's body in the attic of her house when she could have easily disposed of it? The natural thing to have done would have been to dumped it in the bay or to buried it out in the woods someplace and just forgotten all about it. There was no way to link it to the crime. We also have to ask why a convicted baby killer was given such special treatment by the Canadian Parole Board. According to a former warden of the Kingston Prison for Women, he only saw one instance of an inmate getting a name change in his 15 years on the job. Remember, there's a $20,000 standing order that McLean's is willing to pay at any point for anybody who can tell her and give us Evelyn Dick's phone number, and nobody takes her up on it. And yet there had to be at least 20 or 30 people that knew her identity. They all kept their mouths shut. Why? Because they all wanted her to succeed. Why did they want to succeed? Because she was so likable. And how was she able to obtain a rare federal pardon? Well, she had clearly friends in high places, uh, people whose names were probably in her black book. You know, there was a, I think there was a great deal of effort made to uh, make sure that she never got drunk and, and uh, told her story to a reporter. You know, so they went to the nth degree to make sure that didn't happen, and, and they were successful. This story has many unanswered questions that we may never resolve. There's just like so many mysteries associated with this, what we're talking about now, but, but exactly her involvement in the death of John Dick, you know, what, what degree of involvement are we talking about? You know, how, how she managed to um, disappear without a trace, and is she alive today? I'm proud. Probably not, but you know, when did she die? How did she die? You know, it's it, it's just this incredible lack of closure. It just shouldn't happen that that somebody could disappear so completely and pass away and no one know. Like it's just not something that happens right on. 
and to this day, the Evelyn Dix story remains part of the lore and history of Hamilton, Ontario. To me, you can't understand Hamilton, you can't understand the fabric of the history and the community without kind of at some point coming face to face with Evelyn Dix. Evelyn will always be connected to Steeltown, the working class city where she grew up and tried so desperately to improve her social standing. But it's doubtful she ever returned to the place that held her secrets and whispered her murderous deeds. If Evelyn Dick was alive today, she would be a hundred years old. And while she is likely dead and buried, there are still others alive who know what happened to her. In 1946, a man was murdered, dismembered, and thrown over Hamilton Mountain. An infant baby boy was strangled and encased in cement in a suitcase. But the woman who was the prime suspect in both murders and who was convicted of one was given an entire new life, a life that neither of her victims ever had the chance to live. And one critical question remains. Where are you, Mrs. Dick? Evelyn, oh Evelyn, it's been a very long time since you went away from here. Your cigarette and big doe eyes. Your cigarette and big doe eyes. I'm Catherine Fogarty, and I'd like to thank you for listening the incredible true story of Evelyn Dick. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you'll join me for the final bonus episode of Where Are You, Mrs. Dick? I'll talk about my own hunt for the elusive Hamilton beauty, and talk to someone who has spent years on the trail of the mysterious Evelyn Dick, and has some interesting theories about where she ended up. Mrs. Dick is written and produced by Catherine Fogarty. Audio production is by Daniel Borgers at Borgers Music. The song Evelyn Dick is written and performed by Mark McNeil. A special thank you to Mark McNeil and Brian Morton. This is a Story Hunter Productions podcast. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, visit us at storyhunterpodcasts.com. fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.